beautiful hymn that sums up the scripture lesson for today. And this is a continuation of a series that we actually started way back on the first Sunday in Advent. What the baby saw faces around the manger. And on that first Sunday in Advent, we talked about Mother Mary. And on the second Sunday in Advent, we talked about the quiet one, a man of honor and integrity, Joseph. And on the third Sunday in Advent, we talked about the gentle creatures in the stable, how they must have felt with this family moving into their territory. And then last Sunday, we talked about shepherds who had received the good news from the angels, the first to hear. On Christmas Eve, we talked about the angels. <laughs> Next Sunday, we'll talk about the baby and the holy family had moved into a house when wise ones came from the east bearing gifts. And what the baby saw in the faces of those magi, those kings, those astrologers. But today we're in the temple. Simeon and Anna are there and they're seeing things in the face of this baby. And what is the baby seeing in their faces? We're going to consider that. But let's begin by thinking for a moment about older folks and babies. Have you ever really considered the interaction among the two? And how glorious that is. What a wonderful thing that is. I remember years ago sitting in a sanctuary before a funeral service was to begin and it was very quiet. And we were going to honor the life of someone who had lived a long life, a good life. And somebody in a pew was sitting there that day holding a baby, holding a little one whose life was just beginning. Someone whose Life had been long and whose burden was now laid down and now a little one whose life was just beginning. There would be burdens and trials, yeah, but there would be a lot of joy, hopefully, as well. The differences in years and experience, but a special bond between older folks and, and children. Have you ever taken a child or a grandchild into a nursing home or a rehab facility and just watched the faces of the folks light up. What a difference it, it makes. A special kind of feeling, a bond, a, a unique kind of thing going on. And in our gospel lesson for today, that's part of what's happening here, isn't it? Simeon and Anna, two older folk in the temple, and then there Mary and Joseph and a baby. It's fascinating to watch someone whose hair is graying like mine and some viewers cuddling and playing with a, a little baby and, and the joy that that brings. And I've often wondered what it is exactly that causes older folks to see in babies. What do they see? Why do they laugh and why do they smile so brightly? And now I know, and, and most of you know as well, many of you know as well, those times and the joy that, that a baby brings. Maybe older folk are reminded of a happier time when those things which were ahead of them greatly outnumbered those things which were behind them. Or maybe in the sweet face of this little child we see someone whose life maybe won't have some of the bumps and disappointments and bruises that we had along the way. And we're hopeful and we're joyous and we're optimistic. In the gospel lesson for today, we focus in on Simeon to start with, an older man, and his eyesight was maybe not so good, but his spiritual eyesight was 20-20 or better, for he saw in this little baby, 
He saw in this child brought to the temple by his parents, he saw the anointed one of God. He saw the Christ. He saw the Messiah. He saw the one who had been so long hoped for and prayed about and longed for. That's an awful lot, isn't it, for one old man to see in the face of one baby. So let's take a closer look at what Simeon did see in Jesus, just for a moment or two now. For one thing, he saw in him the promised Messiah who brought salvation. Verses 28 and 30, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, For mine eyes have seen your salvation for many, many Many years, too many to count. The people of Israel had longed for the Messiah, the Deliverer, the Christ to come and deliver them. Many Jews have conceived of this Messiah, and you know this story, in political terms, in military terms, looking for a leader to come in and break the yoke of oppression, break the back of the oppressor Rome, deliver them, establish them as a great power. But not everyone had that longing. Not everyone had that picture and that hope. There were folks in the land like Simeon. And they were known as the quiet in the land. The quiet ones, hoping and praying. No dreams of violence. No dreams of power or takeover. Nothing about swords and spears and armies with banners. They believed in a life of constant prayer and quiet watchfulness until God should come. And when God did come, Simeon was able to recognize him as the Messiah who brought the gift of salvation. What else did he see in the child who brought salvation? He saw in him one who brought salvation for all people. Verse 32 of the gospel lesson, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to thy people Israel. This was God's desire to save all nations, to save all peoples, to make this gift available to everyone, not just the children of Israel, but revelation, light for the Gentiles. And Gentiles literally meant the nations, those nations outside of Israel, sometimes referred to as even pagan or heathen or outsiders or all kinds of other unflattering terms. But this universal all-inclusive attitude that Jesus came for everyone is a prominent feature of Luke's gospel. And maybe that's why Luke tells this story and no one else does, because it fits in with his theology and his thinking and his way of understanding Jesus, a Jesus for all people, the Messiah who brought salvation, who brought salvation for all people. What else did he see in this child? He saw down the road, that harsh, harsh road, he saw suffering and death. I believe Simeon saw a cross that day. Verses 34 and 35. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is sent for the rising and the fall of many in Israel and for a sign that is spoken against, and a sword will pierce your soul also that thoughts out of many hearts may be revealed. The Spirit gave Simeon not only spiritual eyesight and insight for what was happening in that day and that, that moment, but for what was to come. He could foresee the pain and the sorrow that would come to a mother because of an oldest child's 
violent death. The cross cannot be separated from the manger. For the one in the manger came to die for the sin of the world. And sometimes I think we lose the connection or don't think about it. Thank God Jesus was born, a little sweet, precious baby. And all those things that we associate with the child, with the baby, all those wonderful things, we see in Jesus. But if we separate the child of the manger from the man on the cross, then we miss so much. And we have a serious error in our way of looking at things. If we can keep Jesus as a child, as an innocent child, as a baby in a manger in a cradle, then that's pretty safe, isn't it? We're not afraid of babies. Sometimes we're afraid of the responsibility, especially if we're new at, at being a parent, caring for a child. We're not afraid of babies. But if we can keep them that way, if they don't grow up like Jesus and begin to make demands of us, demands having to do with right and wrong and demands having to do with putting away our selfish desires and our foolishness and wanting to follow him, wanting us to take up a cross of all things and put down all those things that we desire that leave us empty. Uh, had this thought recently and share it with you um, if you'll promise not to throw me under the church bus but uh, we hear that expression a lot in December keep Christ in Christmas and I, I know what folks mean by that I think I do but there's a lot of good stuff written Howard Thurman and others about how do we keep Christ in Christmas by caring for and ministering to and lifting up those folks that Christ came for that's one thing. But also I thought about keeping Christ in Christmas, that could be pretty safe, couldn't it? If we can keep Christ in Christmas as a little baby, then that's one thing. But if that baby grows up to be a man, a savior, who demands our life and our all, that's something else. So another way maybe of thinking about keeping Christ in Christmas is that's safe, that's easy. We love babies. We love birthdays. We sometimes have a hard time with folks who think they have the right to ask for our hearts, to ask for all of us who die for what they believe. Why was the spiritual eyesight back to the story now why was the spiritual eyesight so good in Simeon and in Anna why were two folks who had more years between them than they would have cared to admit able to see an ordinary looking baby and to see in that baby a Messiah a Christ an anointed one a promised one of God why was their eyesight that terrific and that wonderful and they're able to see beyond the joy of holding a baby to the agonizing death and the trouble that would come later. One reason is that they had been looking for him, and they had been looking for him with a constant, never-fading hope. We see what we're looking for, don't we? We've seen the little puzzles and the little things and little trick things sometimes. We sort of see what we're looking for, and we have to look again to see things that are there, but maybe we weren't looking for them. They were looking for this Messiah. They were looking for this child. And they had not given up hope after all these years. And they kept looking. 
Verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. That was his life, looking for Christ. Concerning Anna, in verse 38, and coming up at that very hour, she gave thanks to God and spoke of him to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Speaking of Anna and her looking for Christ in hope, one scholar had this to say, she was 84 years of age. And you got to understand, this is me buttoned back in again. 84 years of age back in that day and time was old. I don't think of it that way anymore. I know how many folks there are around here <laughs> that age and older who are still part of the lifeblood of this church and keeping it strong and well. And uh, um, I don't think of it as old anymore. We just got to understand in the story, 84 was old back in that day when 40 was considered old and some folks didn't make it past that. She was 84 years of age, the writer said. She was old and she had never ceased to hope. Age can take away the strength and the bloom of our bodies, but age can do worse. The years can take away the life of our hearts until the hopes we once cherished die and we become dully content and grimly resigned to things as they are. It all depends, he said, on how we think about God. If we think of God as distant and detached, we may well despair. But if we think about God as intimately involved with our life, as closer than our breath, as having God's hand on the helm, we too can be sure that the best is yet to come in our lives, in the life of God's church. Hope. How then was Anna such as she was? The story says she never ceased to worship and she never ceased to pray. Another reason the spiritual eyesight was so good for Simeon is Anna. They were both living close to God. They were righteous and devout according to verse 25. And verse 37 says of Anna, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping and praying and fasting day and night. And that will increase your eyesight. The best prescription for the improvement of one's spiritual eyesight seems to be to live close to God. And the way to live close to God, or I should say one way, and it's a good time to talk about this at the beginning of a new year, is a disciplined spiritual life. Time in prayer. Time in the scripture. Time in worship. Time loving and caring and serving one another in the body and outside, outside the walls, so to speak practicing the disciplines that Jesus has taught us. And we can see better that kind of eyesight. We draw close to God, and God will draw close to us is one of the oldest promises in Scripture. A closer communion with the source of life. Simeon lived close to God, and he recognized God's child. Another reason to account for Simeon's spiritual eyesight was that his life was led of the Spirit. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And inspired by the Spirit, he came into the temple. A Spirit-led man, a Spirit-possessed man. And it reminds us that he didn't have to wait till the day of Pentecost to receive the Spirit. The Spirit is as old as God, a part of the Trinity, hovering over the face of the waters, over the chaos in the days of creation, and bringing about God's marvelous world. Simeon 
lived close to the Spirit, was possessed and filled with the Spirit. Now looking back on Christmas Day just past, what did we see in the baby Jesus? Perhaps our physical eyesight is not so good anymore, but our spiritual eyesight and insight, what did we see in the baby as we celebrated that holy day just a few days ago? And as we continue in this season of his birth, do we see the Savior not just of the world, but of our hearts and our lives? Do we see lying on a bed of straw our only hope and the only hope of a broken and sometimes often hell-bent world? Does the cold stone of the manger point us toward the cold stone of the tomb? And do we understand the connection, the suffering and the dying so that all, all might live? If Christmas has passed us by once more without grasping this hope and without hanging on to this truth, maybe some changes are in order in our lives. Did we look forward to Christmas this year with a sense of real hope? And do we look back on it in the same way? If not, maybe it's because we've been placing our hope in the wrong things. We've been living close to God, praying, studying the scripture, caring for each other. If not, maybe that's why we haven't seen all there is to see in the face of the Christ child. And are our lives open to the leading of God's Holy Spirit? It may be something specific, a feeling or a little nudge inside, which is the way the Spirit often makes itself known in my life and I think in many of yours. And then also as we read Scripture and as we open our hearts and not just our hearts to this Christ, but every room in the house that is our hearts, holding nothing back, locking nothing away. We stayed in a place recently, a, a vacation rental house, and there was one closet that wouldn't open because it was locked. It was the owner's closet where they kept all their secret stuff, I guess. But are there secret places in our heart that we don't want God to have the key to? Maybe the Spirit needs to nudge us. It may be a message or a song or it may be words that jump off of a page and grab us and won't turn us loose. We've talked now about what Simeon and Anna saw in the face of the baby. What did the baby see in their face? Let me close with that thought. In the eyes of Simeon and Anna, what did the baby see? Maybe he saw hope fulfilled and faith affirmed. Two of the many miraculous and marvelous things that happen when folks longingly and prayerfully wait for the coming of the Lord. What does the risen and living Christ see in us when he looks into our faces? Does he see hope fulfilled? Does he see faith affirmed? How are we doing when it comes to patiently and prayerfully waiting? for the Lord to appear. Some things to think about, pray about, and consider on the brink of this new year. Amen.